another exciting episode of The Rock Show, episode 168, and today we're talking about a hell of an album, the making of the... Ghost Soup by the Rolling Stones, yeah. It's uh, Soup. This is an album, supposedly this is the, the um, 13 American studio album by the British band The Rolling Stones. Right. It's the 11th British release and the 13th American release. Yeah, why was that? Did they release more stuff in America? Did they release yeah, more? in the early days, uh, in the 60s, there was a couple albums that came out in America that didn't come out in England because, if you remember, uh, England, was, England was very big on EPs. Okay, so what they used to do in America, EPs weren't big here. So they would they would combine like two EPs and make an, an album out of it. So that happened a couple of times to Stones, and they ended up with more releases in America. That was a common thing. Today's episode is brought to you by Park Dental. Uh, Park Dental Care in, in South Richmond Hill, Queens. 718-847-3800 and 718dentist.com. Okay. Uh, great guys in there. You will not leave in pain. They do good work. They take all kinds of insurance. So, goat said soup. Uh, I don't know what, what more I can say about this record. It's 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 one of my favorites by the band. Uh, some people have varying opinions of this album. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, right, that was the original album cover. One of the ideas, and that got rejected. Obviously, look at that. That would be a little scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, there was also another version. They were going to have the, the Rolling Stones as centaurs, like half half horse, half person. That never happened. And he ended up with this type kind. That was the back cover of Keith. Keith Root was on the back. Yeah. Um, you know, it came out August 31st, 1973. All right on Rolling Stones Records, which was their own label that they had for a while in the 70s. Uh, they signed other bands to Rolling Stones Records. Uh, Peter Tosh was on it, a few other people. Yep. Um, and and the interesting thing is that this was the follow-up to the double album, classic album, uh, Exile on Main Street, which we also did a making of a couple yeah, of years. Yeah, that was a great album. Yeah. And, you know, how do you follow that up? Okay. Um, they were still tax exiles 
Okay. A lot of countries wouldn't have them in. Okay. Uh, you know, even in America, I think they were, they, they were kind of like, uh, allowed to be in for a while to work and then they had to leave. You know, it wasn't like they, they were allowed to stay for extended periods of time. This was a time still 73, the stones were outlaws in a lot of ways. Okay. Uh, Parents were still afraid of them, okay, you know, for your kids to be listening to them. Um, but this album kind of represents a, a change of all that, which I'll go into a little bit. Right. That is Dancing with Mr. D is the first song on there. Um, most of the record was recorded outside of the UK. All right. They were still British citizens, but because they were tax exiles, they could not record much in England, or they would just be taxed at 95%. Um, Goat's Head Soup was recorded mostly in Jamaica, all right, the island of Jamaica. Some tracks were recorded in the UK and some in the United States. Uh, the first single was the well-known ballad Angie that went to number one yep. okay, in, in America, and it uh, did very well. I think it was like top five in England, something like that. Uh, beginning with 1968's Beggar's Banquet, this album was the last one produced by Jimmy Miller. Jimmy Miller had done all of them from Beggar's Banquet on. They were all great, man. Why was yeah, that such a, yeah I, don't, I can't think of too many bands off the top of my head that had such a role of albums from that period of time, a five-year period, to put out just such amazing, timeless material. Uh, and it kind of stretched over a period in the band where they had changed. Uh, 68, Brian Jones was still in the band, yeah. okay, though he was on his way out. Um, then uh, Let It Bleed, okay, he plays a little bit on that, and then they bring in Mick Taylor for uh, Sticky Fingers, and he's still in the band, you know, going into when they were recording Goat's Head Soup. That stretch of, of, of music... Uh, there's not a bad song. I mean, everything is just timeless, you know? And uh, I think it would kind of end with this album. Okay. Uh, and I'll go into that more after. Hey, now, Mike, let me ask you, why did Jimmy Miller, did he retire? Was he just done with working with the Stones? He had a very bad heroin habit. Ooh. And I think he had become kind of unreliable. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but so they, they stopped for so many years. Well, yeah, and and, and he, you know, it, it 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 you know, it just fell apart for him. You know, he had a bad heroin habit by 73, and the Stones said, We're not working with you anymore when we do the next album, which was It's Only Rock and Roll. Yeah, wow. Um now bassist Bill Wyman only appears on three songs on this record. Okay, I've uh, never had a, a real understanding why he wasn't so involved. Just one of those things. Um, Mick Jagger, Charlie Watts, Keith Richards, and Mick Taylor appear on all the tracks, except for the song Winter, which Keith Richards does not appear on. Okay, uh, Winter doesn't include Keith on anything. Uh, they used uh, Mick, for instance, plays guitar on that with Mick Taylor to mix. Yeah. Uh, the usual extra musicians that the Stones had at this period were included. Uh, Nicky Hopkins on piano, Ian Stewart on piano, Bobby Keys on sax, 
Billy Preston, also on keyboards and piano. Um, they're all over this record. Uh, every song has features them at some point. Um, now the album was it a Billy Preston like the fifth Beatle? <laughs> yeah, the Stones used him too. Wow. Yeah, yeah, the Stones. He was he was popular on both uh, both ends of that spectrum. Now Goat's Head Soup went to number one in the United States and the UK. Uh, the album itself, um, and some other countries as well. It did very well. However, it received kind of like mixed reviews. All right. Some say that it kind of marks a decline of the band no. after that point. Now, as far as like songwriting ability and things like that, I don't, do, I don't agree with that. Uh, I think that that is saved for the next album. It's only rock and roll. Yeah. All right, and I'll get into that a little bit more. Yeah, well, this, this album was a big album after that huge album that it did then to come with this album. I thought this album was a great follow-up. Well, back up for a second, because Exile on Main Street took a long time to really catch on. Yeah. Okay. They did this big double album, recorded it mostly in south of France, Uh and it, it 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 sold. It went top ten, but kind of dropped. But kind of was dr it quickly dropped off. The problem is it was a double album, okay, and and it was more expensive, and and some people just didn't want to get a double double album. And um, it 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 took a while. By the by the late seventies, Exile on Main Street was starting to get recognized as the classic that it is. Yeah, I mean it's a timeless record. I listen to it often. Uh, but how do you follow that up? Okay. I always had the impression that Jagger in particular Jagger, um, because to me, exile on main street is, is, is a Richard's record. Yeah. I, I see it that way. Okay. And Jagger seemed to kind of want to put it behind him. Like it, I don't think he, he, you know, embraced Exile on Main Street as much as maybe the other members and particularly Richards. That's just my opinion, things that I've read. I, I mean, I've read some things that, you know, they 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 really wanted to move on from that whole thing. So when they did um when they did this album, Goat's Head Soup, um some people thought that it 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 wasn't as good as Exile or or anything before that. Um, and it marks a kind of decline. I don't agree with that. I agree with um, with Lester Banks. Lester Banks, the great rock critic, um, actually said that, you know, it's only rock and roll. That album is the first Stones record that doesn't mean anything. And wow. I kind of agree with him because prior to that, the Stones were outlaws. Okay. Uh, they were still kind of like, you know, your parents were pissed off if you were listening to them. You know, they still were kind of like, you know, dirty and drug addicted and drunk and all, all this shit that, you you know, you weren't supposed to be listening to, a, you know, right, Exile on Main Street. Um, and when It's Only Rock and Roll came out, and I like the record. I don't love it. I like the record. And Mick Tail is on it, and it's the last one with him. But... A song like It's Only Rock and Roll is not taken seriously. The, the lyrics, he said, it's only rock and roll, but I like it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, you you know, your whole life was 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 rock and roll. It was based around that life. 
Okay. And now you're saying, oh, it's only rock and roll, but I like it. Like, it's kind of like they, they, they changed. Okay. Um, not that they didn't have good songs after that. I mean, Some Girls is a good record. Even Black and Blue has grown on me over the years. It's taken a while. Uh, but Goat's Head Soup to me still is a classic record as much as Exile, as much as Sticky Fingers and Let It Bleed. It's like that whole era. Okay. Right. So upon the album's release, the band embarked on a tour of Europe and now this album has been remastered several times. Yeah. 1994, it came out. Uh, 2009, Virgin Records put it out, remastered. Uh, and it was remixed and remastered again in 2020 as a deluxe set, which I'll talk about a little more at the end of the show. Yeah, uh, right? Yeah, right. It, it came with, you know, vinyl. And there was different versions of it. You can get just a CD version. But uh, the, the, the best version of it came with you know vinyl uh the remastered version of it one with the bonus track songs like crisscross man yeah. uh, on there scarlet which was a song with uh with jimmy page on it that was kind of lost for a long time that they found uh when it got reissued in 2020 it went to number one again in the uk wow. yeah so it did very well and i'll talk a little bit more about what was on that that uh, you know, that collection at the end of the show. Um, in November of 72, the band wanted to follow up the, the successful Exile on Main Street album. They relocated down to Dynamic Sound Studio in Kingston, Jamaica. Wow. Now, Jamaica was picked because Keith Richards had a residence there, okay, but also because very few countries would have them for any long period of time. Okay, so they could move freely throughout Jamaica um, and they also used a lot of Jamaican musicians on this album which I'll get to in a second one other country that uh, Richard said he was allowed to be free in was Switzerland yeah. Okay, but they didn't want to pick Switzerland because really to go to Switzerland you have to like skiing uh, there's just a lot of skiing Okay, and Keith Richards did not like to ski All right, so he didn't want to be there so that was the spot, Jamaica, where they could be the most creative and free and not worry too much about getting kicked out of the country all right, after a certain amount of time. Plus, you know, they were down with the reggae going on and the weed and the women and all that stuff, you know. Now, um, like Exile on Main Street, Goat's Head Soup was recorded in short, concentrated periods. If you remember, Exile was recorded, you know, a little bit at a time. Yeah. Okay. And they were all in separate rooms in that castle. But Goat's Head Soup was uh, in the studio. And they would record it like two weeks here, two weeks there. And, you know, Jamaica itself, the island itself, was a big influence to the band. Uh, the main sound engineer was a guy named Mikey Chung, who was actually Chinese. There's a large Chinese population in Jamaica. Uh, they used a lot of local Jamaican percussionists. Uh, there's some Guyanese musicians on this record. And, you know, the Stones were always very impressed with the pool of studio session people that are available in, in Jamaica. It's very diverse. It's not just Jamaican. It's many different people. So the first track that they worked on was the song Winter, uh, which originally was kind of formed and 
put together by Mick Taylor, just strumming the guitar in the studio. And it all kind of just fell into place. Uh, the main theme of the lyrics evolved from an earlier 1968 outtake called Blood Red Wine. All right, the lyrics were taken from that. Now, Winter is the only track I mentioned this earlier that, that Keith Richards does not play on. Electric rhythm guitar is played by Mick Jagger, okay? And uh, Mick Taylor is also, of course, on it. Now, after leaving the Stones, Mick Taylor would record Winter with an artist named Carla Olson for her album, The Ring of Truth. And also he would record Silver Train, another Goat's Head Soup track. Yes. They're uh, too hot for Snake's album, okay? Just as a side note, Mick would like those two songs enough to redo them. Now, the ballad Angie, which is the most well-known song off this album, was the lead single off of it, okay? It was the very first single they put out. But it was really an unpopular choice because Atlantic Records wanted a more rock heavy song to be yeah. the they were looking for another brown sugar which i think the stones really weren't gonna make at that point okay um but uh, not that there aren't any rocking tunes on there in fact the b-side of angie is actually silver train which is a pretty rocking song okay yeah. and um atlantic records who distributed everything that was on rolling stones records all right okay one of the brown sugar type song, but they got Angie as the first single. And uh, it's always been rumored. I don't When you think of Angie, have you heard the rumors about this song, Rob? No, what are the rumors? What are the rumors? It's always rumored to be about Angela Bowie. Okay, but Jagger and Riches have always denied that. They've always said it's not true. Okay. Uh, but uh, in 1993, and so dancing on the street when he finally <laughs> this was this was ten years before that, but uh, they were friends. Bowie and Jagger were friends. There's those stories that Angela caught them in bed together. Yeah, I don't know if those are urban legends or it's true. Who knows? <laughs> okay, but you know, supposedly she fooled around with Mick Jagger. I, I don't know. Okay, but Jagger Jagger and Richard said it's not nothing to do with that. Richards in 93, though, did say that it was inspired by his daughter, who was born around that time, named Dandelion Angela. Okay. And, but he would contradict himself again in 2010 in his memoir called Life, which is an excellent read if you haven't read it yet. Um, he just said in that book that Angie was a name that came to his head that he just kept saying angie 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 you know it just kind of like it worked so it wasn't anybody in particular um he even said he didn't know his daughter was going to be named angela supposedly supposedly uh dandelion he was he was married to anita palmberg at that point and uh had the kid and um anita named the daughter dandelion Okay, and but it was in a Catholic hospital that she was born. So they, they kind of gave her a hard time and said, well, you got to give her a proper Catholic name. So the middle name became Angela. You know, that's how it goes. Now, Jagger himself has said that the lyrics were really inspired from uh, his breakup with Marianne Faithful, which kind of makes sense. 
which kind of makes sense. So that's really what that's about. And that's a song that they've, they've done pretty consistently in their live set since. Uh, a couple of times I've seen them, they've, they've done that song. And it's great. I always love that song. So recording of the album was completed in January of 73 in Los Angeles and also totally finished in May of 73 at London's Island Studios. The song Silver Train was actually left over. It was a song that they had recorded during these 1970 sessions at Olympic Sounds in the UK. But they re-recorded it in Los Angeles at Village Recorders uh, just for this album, even though they had an earlier version of it. Now, Goat's Head Soup was the first Stones record since Satanic Majesty's request in 67 that didn't have a cover song on it. Wow. Okay, there was all, all originals on Goat's Head Soup. <clears throat> the sessions for Goat's Head Soup were abundant themselves with outtakes. There's lots of outtakes from this that they didn't use. Uh, two of these was called Tops, and another one, you know, called Waiting on a Friend. Yeah. Okay, Waiting on a Friend actually came out of those Goat's Head Soup sessions, ended up on Tattoo You in 1981, and they do feature Mick Taylor on, on, on guitar, him him playing guitar and waiting on a friend. You know what it is? A lot of times these bands go into the studio, they make a bunch of songs, but it doesn't fit the motion of the album. So they'll say, you know what, we'll use it in another yeah. album. So that's something that always happened in the, in the business. And, and, and also, I think it's about an album being too long and you have to cut yeah. some out. Okay, it's like, all right, we'll save this for the next one. And then... A band like the Stones that's always busy, you probably lose track of these things after a while. Like you forget you recorded it, you know? <laughs> you know what? That's almost, you want to hear something a little, this is a little off, off subject, but The Godfather, somebody almost winded up cutting the movie to only two hours. Imagine they only would have done and cut all those great scenes. They wanted to cut a bunch of scenes out. Yeah. Watch the whole thing because they wanted more um, time to be able to play in the movie theater. They wanted to show it many, many times, but. It turned out to be a number one hit. Yeah, it didn't matter. It was two hours and forty-five minutes, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the same thing with the with the music industry. I mean, it, yeah. a, a singles, for instance, were always kept down to three minutes. Yep. Okay, but you know, a few, you know, even like uh, like "Light My Fire" by The Doors, right? Yeah. I believe that the single of it. I'm pretty sure, if I remember right. They they had a single version that was shortened. We've we've heard it on the radio. They cut out the whole organ solo in the middle. Okay. But trying to remember, there's 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 a couple of songs that were done like they cut the song in half and put one on one side, one on the other. Okay, that's kind of weird. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's all about the three minute record. Yeah. Oh, and but as time went on, the late sixties and seventies, they would allow four or five minute singles and things like that. Yeah, double albums are always a problem. You know, they they're they're expensive to make, and they got charge more. So bands try to they, you know they're, they're often asked to stay away from that. Uh, you know, but that would change later, Rob, because when CDs came out, okay, you could hold about an hour and. 10 minutes, an hour and 20 minutes on a CD. Yeah. And I found that bands were putting out too much just to fill that time. Yeah. In the, in the 90s and the 2000s. Okay. A few, a few bands, um, 
trying to remember. I I, I think uh, even like Iggy Pop. I remember a couple of his solo records. They were like close to like, you know, an hour long. And I'm like, Iggy, what are you doing, man? You don't need my attention span ain't that good, man. I can't sit and listen to an hour and ten minute record all the time, you know. But but anyway, I mean, you're right. They, they it's it's about you know cutting things down. All right. So there's bands always have outtakes, and Stone the Stones always the Stones are one of these bands that their outtakes are better than what most people put out for regular songs. Yeah. Uh, Tattoo You in '81 was a an album of outtakes. Outtakes, yeah. Start Me Up was originally a reggae song that they changed. That they had it was an old song that they had. I and think they, Guns N' Roses did that a spaghetti album was a whole album of outtakes and songs. Well that was all covers that they yeah, I think some might have been outtakes at the time, but they had decided to do an album of covers. That's a little yeah. different. Yeah. You know, I mean the the Stones did uh Blue and Lonesome a few years ago. Yeah, I think it's a great record, and uh, you know, all covers, blues covers. Uh, I wish that they would start going down that road again and make a you know a solid record of that. But I digress. We're getting off topic here. But um, now getting back to Goat Said Soup, um, you had "Waiting on a Friend" as an outtake. Uh, there was also a track called "Through the Lonely Nights" that would end up on the B side. Of the next album's title track, it's only rock and roll single. Okay, the single for it's only rock and roll. Uh, it's a soft rock ballad kind of thing, and it features Richards on Wawa, which you know he was using Wawa quite a bit on Goat's Head Soup, which I think it's really the only album that he uses those features extensively. Okay, and uh, it's such a a timepiece of the seventies, you know, a lot of soul funk bands were using the Wawa pedal, the temptations, you know, we use a lot. Papa was a Rolling Stone has Wawa pedal all over it. You know, I mean, it's a cool effect and it was used a lot in the seventies by many bands. Um, and the stones use it a lot on goat's head soup. And I, I just, I love it. I love that sound. And, uh, it, for them, it was perfect. Um, now another track, was called Short and Curlies, okay? And that actually started in the Goat's Head Soup Sessions, but ended up on the next album, It's Only Rock and Roll. Now, at the time of its release, Jagger said he felt really close to this album, okay? And he had put his all his effort into it. He didn't say that so much about, about uh, Exile. And uh, I, 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 I don't think... Like I said in the beginning, I think that he might have felt closer to this record than Exile. Uh, it was more of a personal thing. Maybe Angie, maybe because of the song Angie, uh, if it was about Marianne Faithful and his big breakup with her, you know, maybe that that makes it a more personal record to him. Now, the lead single Angie had Silver Train as the B side, and it went right to number one with a rock. United States. That's, a bad beat. That's not a bad beat size song either. Those are two pretty solid songs. No, and I think that it, there might have been a compromise with that because they did want a rock song to be the A side. They made it the B side. It might have been a compromise there. I just right. always thought that that was interesting. Um, worldwide, the song did very well as, as well. Um, but 
the album itself wasn't without any controversy. It was quite a bit, okay? The song Star Star was banned by the BBC about a month after the album came out uh, because of the lyrics, all right? he's This is the last song on the album, and he's saying, you're a star fucker, star fucker, star fucker, star fucker, star, okay? And and the Stones wanted to call the song Star Fucker. All right, that was the original title of it. Yeah. Uh, Atlantic Records president, uh, Ahmet Erdogan, he said, no, you can't do that. If you have Starfucker on the listed on the album, uh, if it's on there, there's there's stores that won't carry the record. Okay, if you remember, uh, the MC5 had a lot of problems because Kick Out the Jams on their first record says Kick Out the Jams motherfucker, and they left it on there. And then all these like old you know retail stores like Corvettes like wouldn't carry it. You know what I mean? So the Stones. Uh, in autumn of 73, the album came out at the end of August. By the fall, they were ready to start a tour of Europe. Um, and their, their set allowed for four slots for new songs to be put in. Okay. Uh, four new songs from Goat's Head Soup. Now, the band performed, uh, Heartbreaker, which is also called Do 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 Do. Okay. Um, one of my all time favorite Stone songs. I love that song. Star Star was played, uh, Dancing with Mr. D, and Angie, of course, okay? Now, they also, at some early gigs on that tour, played Silver Train and a song called 100 Years Ago, which is a very cool song. Um, at some point in those European tours, they, they, they dropped those two. I'm not sure why, um, but uh, it, it became those four were part of the tour. Um, on later tours, Angie was pretty much the only track from this album that they would play. Okay. Uh, 2002 to 2003, the 40 licks tour, they brought back star star and silver train and dancing with Mr. D. I did hear them do that. I saw them on that tour. Um, they also played these songs in 2014 and 2017 as well. What's that? Ain't it weird when they do stuff like that and they won't play certain songs? Like there might be a song that they play once and then you never hear it again live. What what is that about? Is it like creative or you know, it, it could be all various reasons. Like I remember um uh the first time I saw the Stones was the Steel Wheels tour in eighty nine at Shea Stadium. And uh they were performing remember they did five nights in a row. Yeah. Uh and uh, I was with a friend of mine, big Stones fans, and they were, they were performing 2,000 Light Years from Home for the very first time. Wow. That song was from 1967's Satanic Majesty's Request. And they had never performed this song, first of all, because they, they quickly forgot about that record. Okay? It... it, it, it and they both, I think Richards and, 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 uh, and Jagger agreed that they, they couldn't do a psychedelic, you know, Sergeant Pepper type thing. Though I love the record, but almost none of that stuff was ever performed live. Okay. Right. And 2000 Light Years from Home, it's very produced. You have a lot of spacey, psychedelic sounds that they couldn't, they couldn't duplicate in the 60s live. Okay. So it wasn't done. And, uh, you know, if you if you think about it, even the Beatles, 
they never toured Sergeant Pepper. They weren't touring anymore at that point. Could they have toured it? Not really. Not the way it sounds. It would it would have been stripped down. You could do an unplugged thing, maybe. It would sound totally different. Okay. But they had become a studio band at that point. Now the Stones were always a touring band. Yeah. But uh there's they have such a a a, a catalog that it's got to be hard to put a set list together and please everybody. You can't. No. Yeah. Okay. So there's always going to be songs that you want to hear and, oh man, why didn't they play that one? Even the hits, they got so many hits, they can't play all the hits. No. Yeah. Okay. And then I'm going to shit on them right now because I'm still mad about this is they, they, they're not playing Brown Sugar anymore. Whoa. Okay, they stopped playing it on this. I think it was this tour, or you know, because the tour got fucked up because of COVID. All right, and now they're they're back. They're not playing Brown Sugar anymore because they, you know, what it's about. Okay, and they, you know, they're being all politically correct, and just fuck you to all of them for that. I don't think it's Richards. I think it's Jagger, from what I've heard. Okay, uh, everybody wants to hear Brown Sugar, so they should do that song. But yeah. I heard they're not doing it anymore. Um, but there's plenty of other songs to do. So, you know, hopefully they put something in its place that is just as good. Now, um, the other controversy with this Goat's Head Soup record was the um, the original album cover. Okay. Uh, the one with the Goat's Head. There you go. Okay. Yeah, that would be a little scary. The kids might not like looking at that the parents don't want to look at some goat's head in bloody boiling water okay hungry yeah yeah i mean so they rejected that uh i wonder if that's a real goat's head it might be it, man. no no could they say no animals were harmed at the, the, the uh, <laughs> making of this outcome so they went with this um but there was another i, I don't we don't have a picture of it there was another idea having the stones as like half horse, half human centaurs, okay, of Greek mythology. But I don't think there was ever a, a picture made of it. They they ended up going with that album cover. And um, it was designed by a guy named Ray Lawrence and photographed by someone named David Bailey. Uh, he was a friend of Jagger's who had worked with the band since 1964, different capacities. Um the portrait of Jagger on the front cover was life-size almost. I mean, it was a 12-inch of his head, okay? Um, Mick Jagger was very reluctant to be shot, enveloped in pink chiffon, okay? That's a pink chiffon veil wrapped, his head is wrapped in, okay? And Bailey said it was supposed to be reminiscent of Catherine Hepburn in The African Queen. If you remember, there's a movie, yeah. the movie, the movie with uh, Humphrey Bogart, where she's on the boat with him and they're fighting, not getting along. There's a scene where she's kind of behind a veil. So that was the uh, the 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 idea. Um, I think, and and I mentioned this before we before we went on the air, but I always thought it looked like he, his head was in a flame. Okay, put it up again. Can you put it up again? Yeah. Doesn't it look like it's like the head of a match? Yeah. 
I, I, I like a match on fire. Yeah. Okay. You know, and in my research for the, for doing the podcast, I didn't find anything that that was their idea, but that's just something whenever I looked at it, I always thought it was, it was reminiscent of a flame. Look yeah. at the, look at the Richards one, the back cover. Yeah. Doesn't that look like a flame? That definitely looks like a flame. Okay. He was wrapped in a chiffon kind of thing too. And then the band on the inside cover, because it was a gatefold, right? It opened up. The middle was was right there, okay, where Charlie is. And then, you know, Mick Taylor on the right and and, uh, and Bill Wyman on the left, I believe. And, um, you know, it, it, it just it just looked like their heads were on fire. But the, no, no one has ever said that that was, that was the idea. So I don't know. Just an impression I had. Now, um, what I want to talk about now is the deluxe edition, okay, that came out in 2020 uh it's a little pricey okay i've seen it as much as like 150 bucks uh now i think it's down it's under 100 um two years you know we'll change that uh it came with a vinyl collection of the album uh it came with a vinyl collection of the the extra tracks the bonus tracks okay uh outtakes of the album they they found um, a song called Scarlet that was featured on this set, okay? That was actually an outtake that Jimmy Page had come down from Les Zeppelin, come down to the studios and jammed, and uh, they ended up, uh, you know, recording. And it's a good song, okay? There was another one on there called Crisscross Man, which I've had as bootleg out, you know, out, outtakes on different bootleg CDs over the years. It's a good song. I've, I've heard it many times, but it was the first time it was officially released. Um, also, the, the to me, the, the gem of this is the sound of Goat's Head Soup itself, the, the remastered version of it, all the same original tracks. But the real gem, I, for me, is is the live concert. The, the, it was called a Brussels Affair. Yeah, okay, for, right. Live, it's live in Brussels. Uh, for many years, it was a bootleg. It's one of the most popular bootlegged, you know, live albums of the Stones that that was ever been there. Um, they really were killing it on this tour. Okay, uh, it's interesting because because in Brussels they speak French, and Jagger is speaking French to the audience and everything, and uh, it's just kind of cool. And you know, they do songs on this tour that they never did again. Okay. Or hadn't done in, you know, it brought, it took them 30 years to bring them back. Okay. So I, I, I think it's worth it. I think it's, 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 you know, if you could find it, shop around, you might find it cheaper. I think Amazon had it for about $75 recently. Okay. So it's, it's worth it. Uh, of course, all these things are out on YouTube and you can listen to it. But if you, Oh, one thing too, is it comes with a book. Okay, it comes with a nice book with a lot of pictures and liner notes. Yeah, right there. Right there. Uh, yeah, top left. Yeah. Um, I don't recall who did the liner notes, to be honest with you, but it's worth it. You know, to, to just sometimes the books are so cool in these collections, it's worth it just for that. So, so I got today, Mr. Rossi. Go Ted Soup. Very good, man. That's another making of. I, I really enjoy the make of these albums because we get to just talk about one album of a certain band. 
Yeah. And then he look at it, and you're like thinking, wow, look at that. This song, why the songs came out, why these songs were playing. And it's pretty impressive, you know, like all the stuff that they do. I want to mention again, uh, just to be clear, is, is, is I don't think this record uh, really represents the decline of the Stones, okay? I think the next album does that for the reasons I, I mentioned earlier about it, just kind of not... They're not taking themselves as seriously anymore. Okay. They, they, by, by, you know, this is 73, Goat's Head Soup. 74 was, uh, it's only rock and roll, but I like it. Okay. I mean, it just, they, they had, they were starting to become, they weren't the Rolling Stones anymore. They were becoming the Stones. Okay. And they were becoming like jet set. They weren't together as much anymore. They didn't record in the same place as much anymore. By 74, 75, uh, by 75, Mick Taylor would be gone. They would bring in Ronnie Wood. Nothing against Ronnie Wood. I love him. Uh, but it represents, you know, his time in the Stones represents a much different different band than prior to that. I mean, there's nothing more different than the Ron Wood era of the Rolling Stones compared to the Brian Jones. Right, Rob? Yeah. So- you know? So it, 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 they have the three eras of the Stones are the Jones period, the Mick Taylor period, and then the Ronnie Wood period, which lasted the longest. Ronnie Wood's been in the band for, you know, going on 50 years. I mean, it's like 42, it's like 47 years. Okay. And he was actually hanging out with them even before that. They all knew him when he was in the faces and everything. Um, by so that, eight, yeah. You get that album, the Super Deluxe album. Yeah. For seventy three dollars. Seventy three ninety nine on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's worth it. It's worth it to get. Um for the book, really, and for the live album. Um, if you've never heard it. Um, you know, by seventy eight they, they made some girls, which many argue is their last like great record. Okay, yeah. I, I can I could kind of agree. Um but I still think the Stones have another one in them. If they could just kind of put a lot of bullshit behind them and just do what they're known for, okay? Uh, you know, you could, I mean, I don't know what their relationship with Mick Taylor is. I think it's pretty good. He occasionally has popped up on stage mm. over the last 10 years, okay? Uh, would he ever join the band again on an album? That would be incredible. They should just do one thing like that and call it a day. Call it a day. That's it. We're retired. We're done. Yeah. I mean, they're pushing 80. Okay. And I, I believe they should play as long as they want to play. I'm not one of these people like, oh, they're too old. Because if you've seen the Stones in recent years, they're still high energy and they're still playing for three hours. And that's not easy to do. Okay. And, and, and you know, thank God that they're, you know, for the most part, they're pretty healthy and could still play and, and got it together. Um, but I think they, they, they have a, another great album in them. I just hope that they can pull it out one day. Goat's Head Soup, though, classic. Everybody should own it. Not bad, Mike. Man, what a, what a fantastic album. What a, what a, you know, what a journey from, um, from um, Exile or Maine to this album. Like, these two albums are pretty much solid albums. Like, well, you I know, it's only rock and roll. I was like, okay, but that's 
people love that song. I don't really think that song is an iconic song, but people love it. It, oh no! It, it's only rock and roll is a great song, but the theme behind it—it was—it it, to me, it's—it was a—it was a change in what they were talking about. Okay, yeah. their, their music. You know, uh, Exile was just dirty, swampy, muddy. You know, talking about good drugs and pussy and yeah. and 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 then Goat's Head Soup is. Uh, a little more of that. I mean, Heartbreaker has the drug references in it. Uh, there's a um, coming down again, but with with Richard singing most of it. Okay, there's a line in there where he says, "Stick my tongue in someone else's pie." Okay, he's t- what he's talking about is his, his relationship with Brian Jones falling apart because he took Anita from Brian. Wow. Remember they had that thing in Morocco? Yeah. Okay, so, you know, then then Brian was never the same after that. And, you know, his thing, you know, the, the lyric continues, like, stick my tongue on someone else's pie, getting better all the time. You know, it's like he's just saying, like, too bad. You know, <laughs> shit happens. <laughs> wow. But, I mean, that's the beauty of Goat's Head Soup, some of the lyrics and – uh you know, some of the songs are slow. They start off slow and they speed up. 100 Years Ago has a good jam on it. Uh, I great. wish I would have kept the song Starfucker. <laughs> oh, they, the song is called Star Star, but they say Starfucker. Starfucker, yeah. I wish they should have it written on the record. So, all right, Rob. So, if anybody's looking for me, right. uh, my social media handles, I got a lot. You got Rocco Mike on Facebook, Rocco Mike. Uh, also, the rocker, uh, the rock show podcast group page on Facebook. Also, I am Rocker Mike two one two on Instagram. I'm Rocker Mike on Twitter, CloudHub, Parlor, MeWe, Getter, Truth Social, Rocker Mike. And Mike is November now, so we're pretty much winding up the end of the year again. We're going to see what we're going to do for the end of the year. The uh, Rocker Mike Award. That's yeah, gotta pick it out. I got a couple ideas for album of the year that'll be in December, uh, the last show. Uh, we, we'll try to get Scott the Clown back, like we've been doing the last couple of years. Is album of the year also group album of the year? Well, yeah, right. We we started last year with you know um, solo artist album of the year, and then group group album of the year. We'll yeah. probably continue with that, and. Uh, Got to put up a, another special show for the beginning of December. Not sure what that's going to be yet. Yes. So stay I tuned. Think, I think I like the idea of um, of one hit wonders. We might do that. One hit wonders. I yeah. One hit wonder, and that's it. Yep. 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 So, all right, people. Thank you very much. And remember, don't get drunk. Get lumped up. See you next time. Take care, people. <laughs> Up tonight. Listen to Rob Ross and Young Rock of Mine. On the only podcast that I'll hear, it won't make me wanna rip off my.